Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Super Women. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to do some shameless plugging. So if you haven't bought the handbag or an incredibly appropriate Zoom sweatshirt, aka our best-selling Janine, head over to my site. This podcast is brought to you by the support of you. So would love for you to buy some gifts, enjoy some of our sales that we're having, and just support the cause and the brand that floats this podcast. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard, but I launched a fragrance. It is available at Macy's and Nordstrom and Birchbox and Scentbird. So I highly, highly advise you smell good from the comfort of your bed or living room. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Superwomen. Today's guest is Deepika Mutyala. She's, first of all, a friend of mine, which I am very happy about, even though we don't get to see each other ever. But she is the founder and CEO of Lynn Tinted, a multicultural community about beauty and culture. And you launched it in the beauty part of it in 2018 um, as a digital community that explores diverse beauty for every shade in between. So I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. And I know it sucks that we can't see each other IRL, but we're going to make it work. We will. So I didn't realize this. Did you just move to Texas? Yes. I literally (laughs) packed up during this pandemic and left LA and moved home. And I'm I'm literally house hunting in Austin, Texas right now. Oh my Lord. Okay. So I want to get there. I know you've probably talked about this story a zillion times, but I feel like <laughs> I hate it when people ask me like, so how did you get started? Yeah. Um, I'm like, go on to Google, but <laughs> mo- <laughs> no, but um, your audience needs to hear. So that's okay. I'm into telling it. Okay, good. So you went viral with a video. I did. Yeah. Will, it you, was in- will you share what happened? Yeah. So this was back in 2015. I was working at Birchbox at the time. Um, my dream was always to start my own beauty company at some point. And at the time, Birchbox was like the hottest and like most booming beauty startup in the game. And so, and it was founded by two incredible smart women. And I just wanted to learn everything from them that I could. And while I was there, this whole world of like influencers were like booming on YouTube. And I started working on some projects for Birchbox around influencers. And uh, I realized there was nobody who looked like me doing tutorials. And, you know, I I never saw my life turning into this quote unquote beauty influencer world. But what I did know was that I had a beauty tip to share that I hadn't seen people talk about online. So I figured if nothing else, I was creating a place to go point all my friends who asked me for beauty tips in my life. So I, I started my YouTube channel in January of 2015, picked up my iPhone. The production value, if you go and look at it, is very low. Um, I, I held it vertically instead of horizontally. So there's like black panels on the side. But I say I share that to share that I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't manufacturing anything. And I was just sharing a, an authentic tip to me. And I used red lipstick under my eyes to hide dark circles, because that was what I needed to be able to truly make it so my hyperpigmentation would be covered. And I guess the internet went wild because it went viral. It has 10 million views. And I got an email from the Today Show to come on and do the segment on air. And I quit my job that day to just go do it. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Wow. And so when you quit your job, did you even know how you were going to have make money, pay rent? Zero. Anything? It was actually kind of insane. Like I think back to it now and I'm like, 
I, I, I really realize that you kind of have to be fearless when you make some decisions in your life. And I guess for me, I thought about, I guess it was that time in my life, I felt like I could take a risk. I was in my 20s and I was broke either way, right? Like I was living in New York City. So I was like, I didn't really know how I was going to pay my next bill. I, I figured tax returns were coming soon and I could get through rent that way and take it from there. But what I did know was I had an opportunity in front of me to turn a 15 minutes of quote unquote fame into my dream career. And I, I just knew I had to try. And I figured if nothing else, I at least I went for it. And yeah, it was funny because I remember so many people would tell me like, you go on the Today Show once, it's a cool moment in your life, and then you kind of move on. So I don't know what you're trying to get out of this career. But in my brain, I wanted to be like the Indian Hoda. I was like, I'm going to be the first <laughs> brown girl to be a regular on the Today Show. And so, it, you know, it's kind of wild, though, because my sister was my model. My dad was backstage with me, like sitting next to Kid Rock. And he was so confused at his daughter's life. And I didn't even tell him I had quit my job because I didn't want him to panic. And I remember after the segment was over, I was like, let's do it again. And, you know, everyone, you know how those those state like segments are. Everyone's rushing to the next segment. But there was this senior producer who came up to me afterwards and was like, you should do it again. And it was one of those like surreal moments. My dad was like in the background trying to record it in the corner. And she basically asked me to come on and be a regular and do segments monthly for the Today Show. And so that kind of kicked off this new career as an on-air beauty expert. And I started to grow my YouTube channel. And for three years, I spent my life, something that I never thought would happen. I, I've sort of became like the token brown girl in all of these beauty brand campaigns uh, for everything from MAC Cosmetics to Estee Lauder to L'Oreal Paris. And it was just very surreal for me because my whole motivation behind starting my own brand was to create representation for people who hadn't seen themselves in the beauty industry. And here I was serving that purpose, I guess. Like it was, it was very uncomfortable for me also because I always saw myself as a businesswoman and waking up and taking selfies and sharing your life. It's, it's a very uncomfortable thing. And I'm sure as you, as you know, and so I did that though, because I knew that this was all like a path to get me to what my ultimate dream was, which was starting my own beauty brand. And here we are today. Wow. So you knew you did all this with full knowledge, like I'm going to get to X point before I launch. It was one of those things that even when the video went viral, I had so many brands and independent founders approach me and say like, oh my gosh, you have to create a color corrector. Like you have this video, you have this moment, blah, 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 blah. But I just knew in my like soul that it, it wasn't the time. And I had I had building to do on my own. And here's the deal is like when I was doing the influencer thing, the whole time I was thinking about when am I going to start this? Honestly, the motivation, and I, I, I'm sure you get these messages too, and it keeps you going is so many girls would DM me and message me and email me and say like, thank you for just going for it. And seeing you represented in these campaigns makes me feel like I can go try and achieve my dreams. And I was, all I kept thinking about was their like very immigrant parents hating me. But at the same time, I was thinking about like, wow, you know what, this is really incredible. So I knew I had a purpose I was serving for those years, even though it wasn't my ultimate dream. And, and then I just had this moment um, when I got approached at the end of 2017 by a man who wanted me to start a beauty brand with him and offered me a certain percentage of his company. And that's when I had this like aha moment that Deepika, if you don't go do this, you're going to be working for somebody else for their brand rather than creating your dream brand that you wanted since you were a little girl. So January of 2018, I kicked it off and I kicked it off as a community platform, as you mentioned. 
did you find the community through your followers? So many people, you know, think there's a, a one path to starting a brand, you know, and, and yeah. several successful founders, Michelle from Lively, she launched her business community first. Yeah. She didn't have a product for, I think, a whole year. So yeah. what was sort of your path to the brand through the community? Yeah. And when I wanted to start it as a community platform, um, I was also in the middle of fundraising and doing like a very small pre-seed round just to support this community idea. And I got so much pushback. Like people just didn't understand. They were like, you have a community. You as Deepika have a, a brand already. Like why invest and put money towards something that isn't just the physical product? And to me, it was really important after being in the beauty industry at that point, like for a decade, from being on the corporate side at L'Oreal to the startup beauty side at Birchbox and then being a beauty influencer, I knew that this brand needed to be bigger than myself and serve a purpose that was greater than me. And that's kind of where Live Tinted started as this community platform where we each day were storytelling and narrating people that I felt like we hadn't seen traditionally represented in the beauty industry. And we talked about topics you don't necessarily see and things like colorism or like facial hair. Like I had a mustache growing up. Let's talk about that. Like let's make, <laughs> let's make people realize they're not alone. And, and that's how it organically grew. Like, yes, of course, I feel very grateful that the last three years of building my own audience, it did help kickstart us for sure. But there was a point where we went from my following to just organically growing because of the message behind the brand that made me realize that this really was going to be greater than me. And that's all I wanted. Um, that's all I ever wanted. It was kind of just this moment of people are connecting to this because of the message. And they finally feel connected to a brand because they haven't seen it before. And I think that genuine story of myself sharing what I went through, I realized people from all ends of the spectrum experience similar narratives. Like I was just sharing what I was going through, like hiding from the sun my whole life because I didn't want to get darker because fair was considered beautiful. And, and then I found, you know, Latinx women or black women uh, were just connecting to these narratives. And it was really beautiful thing that it organically grew into this multicultural community. I think things today are still shocking. Like when Rihanna launched her color range, that was like, no one in the beauty had done that. And for people with brown skin or, you Mm -hmm. know, different shades of skin from being mixed race, like no one was talking to them. So you're talking now to a community, whether they are black, brown, white with a mustache or a (laughs) unibrow. (laughs) So then how did you know intimately like okay this is going to be the first product i launch and this is how it's going to happen like what gave you that business sense that you said okay i'm ready to pull the trigger i'm ready to go i build this community yeah i think when i when the video went viral it was so obvious to create a color corrector it was like 10 million people had seen this video and there was thousands of comments asking for what's the right texture of the red product Uh, what's the exact right color for my skin tone And it it felt obvious to solve that problem. But three years later, after that video went viral, I wasn't certain that it still was a problem that hadn't already been course corrected by the beauty industry. And so I just asked the audience. That was the coolest part about having a built-in community. They're also a built-in focus group. And why wouldn't you just ask the people that you hope will buy your product what it is that they want? I think sometimes these like big brands overthink the little simple things that you can kind of use as focus groups. And so, and, and, and they, and they loved it. I I mean, it truly was like, wow, you're actually listening to me and making decisions based on what I'm asking of you, like weird, um, crazy concept. And so we asked them what their number one beauty concern was and hyperpigmentation in dark circles was well 
on the top of the list. Like I think the percentage was 80% plus. And so that was where I really had this moment that was like, okay, Deepika, it's time to build your first product, really create a business here for these people and bring them along the journey. So we launched the Hue Stick in May of 2019, our very first product. And one thing that I, I changed about it was it's not your traditional color corrector, which I think is very intimidating to the everyday person. Because the color correcting, I think, in general, is a very makeup artistry friendly kind of skill, which is why I think people loved the red lipstick hack. It was like, oh, I can just use the lipstick I have at home to hide my dark circles. Amazing. So we actually created three shades, light, medium and dark levels of discoloration that work as multi sticks as eye, cheek and lip colors, but double as color correctors as well. And I think it's important to share that we did three shades because you mentioned Rihanna and like, thank God for her. I, I always talk about how dope it is that somebody who had, she did not need to launch a beauty brand in the sense of she was fine, right? Like she's a massive star, but I, I really do feel like, and you can tell the genuine nature behind it, that she, she knew that this needed to exist. And you can tell, you know, so many celebrities launch brands and then they, they, they're involved for like the first minute and then they're like over it. And I, I really love that she's constantly trying to pave the path for other people. It, it's really incredible. But I think since she did that, so many brands have been doing a lot of performative actions where they're coming out with 51 shades of foundation, 52, 102. And here's the deal is I, I really don't think it's ever really about that. And I think it's important for people who want to launch a brand now, right? Like we're small businesses to be able to launch that many shades is really hard. It takes a lot of capital. And I think for me, I was able to build an inclusive beauty brand from day one with three shades because it's not always about having a million shades. It's about having equal representation across your shades. And I think that to me is what where brands tend to skew one way or the other. And the reality is people just want to be equally seen. So if you're going to launch with 10 shades, launch with an equal representation across the board. And that's kind of what we did with our three colors. I love it. Your hue stick is incredible. So it works oh, across you. all colors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
what were some of the initial challenges you encountered? I'd love to hear some war stories or some yeah. horror stories and how you kind of got through them. Well, I think number one is I had never been a CEO before. And, you know, you you think about growing up like I'm going to be you see all these quotes on Instagram about being a girl boss and it sounds really glamorized. And I remember when I was even fundraising and going through the process of trying to get capital. This was like the days where there were so many incredible female founders raising a ton of VC money and, and and every headline talked about the amount of money they had fundraised. And I really felt like I had to do that. Like I felt like I was meant to be the girl who was one of the 2% of women who was able to get VC capital. And I was like, I can do this. I can do this. But I think, again, the, the issue with that was I was just listening to the noise of somebody else's narrative rather than focusing on my own. And I didn't actually need that much money to get this business started. And what I think I learned through the process was, first of all, being a CEO is the exact opposite of being glamorous. It's the hardest job and it's the least fun job. And I think that's important for people to know because I don't want girls to be like, I'm going to be a CEO when I grow up and think it's all glamorous because it's actually the exact opposite of glamour. <laughs> you have to like fire people and hire people and fundraise. And it's really tough, but I'm, I'm proud I've been able to do it. But I think this idea of focus on what you're good at. And in the beginning, of course, you have to wear every single hat. But I'm like actively at this point looking for to bring in a president to to help grow and manage my team because I know my strengths and weaknesses. And I know that there's somebody better suited to make it so people can actually grow within this company and um, be leaders within this brand and, and stay at this company and grow with us. So I think for me in the beginning, my horror stories really stem around this conflict I had, an inner voice I had of trying to do what I've seen other people do rather than listen to what I wanted to do. And I didn't need to fundraise. I just needed a small amount of money to kickstart this business and get going. I mean, did you in the early, I, I feel like I, we talked about this. You didn't in the beginning like do fundraising, right? It was bootstrapped. It was bootstrapped. And that's, I really want to dive in there because the, I constantly am hearing women like, I need to raise, I need to raise. I'm like, yeah. why? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to sell most of your company when it's worth zero dollars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been conditioned with all the glamorous women on the cover of magazines, yep, yep. you know, business magazines that yep. you go, oh, she raised a billion bucks. That must yep. be nice. Well, guess what? She doesn't have a billion bucks in her pocket. Nope. And no I, one and gets also, that. Not enough people no. get that. I know. I try and talk about it a lot. And then I, I don't know if people are sick of hearing it, but I, I think it's important. And I think, you know, to know that you bootstrapped or you didn't need to raise a lot of money and you're growing the business and it's on your terms. I think that's what people forget is the minute you start selling, you're on other people's terms. Yeah. And here's the thing is like, I, I'm not sitting here saying you may not, you may need to for X, Y, Z reasons, but I just really want people to realize it's, it's not glamorous. It's not cool to give up a percentage of your company to somebody else just because find a very strategic reason why you're doing that. Like in the beginning, when I did fundraising, instead of going and getting one big VC check, I got a ton of small strategic angel checks from badass people in my life that I felt like I wanted their guidance. I wanted to learn from their mistakes. And you know, I, I'm very fortunate to have met people like you who give me that advice and, and we chat about it just organically. But I also knew that these people had capital that they wanted to invest in businesses they believed in. You know, what was great about that is none of them were on my ass about like if, if a report wasn't sent on a certain time, which when you have like a board and all of these things, there's so much that comes with it. Just like your life ends up being just having to answer to them. And I didn't have that because all these people were just in it because they believed in me. 
And they weren't dictating my business. They were guiding my business, helping guide me. And that I'm really grateful for because, yeah, none of them call me to question my decision making. I call them for advice. So I think if anyone can do that, I really recommend it. And again, it was a really small amount of money just to get the company going. So I also want to touch on the fact that you said being the CEO isn't the most glamorous job. And I try and demystify the glamour, but I think Instagram... Instagram still creeps into people's brains and they're like, ah, life just must be easy. And she just has to take a picture. And then, you know, that's what her day consisted of. So let's go there. I mean, okay. (laughs) Imagine being head down working and like being so mentally and and emotionally drained. And, and you're also trying to be the leader and make sure the team is feeling motivated. And then you have to go film a video where you're like, smiling and taking a picture and for you you do those like cute ones where you're jumping into the jeans and stuff (laughs) like that is so exhausting and I don't think it seems glamorous like oh wow you get paid to do a post on Instagram or oh wow you get to just get your hair and makeup done all day and I'm I'm not sitting here saying that oh my god my life is I'm I, I feel I'm not trying to feel sorry for myself I just think it's important that people go into creating their businesses recognizing in the beginning, you will have to wear every single hat and it is going to be so exhausting. And doing things like that are forward facing, which used to be fun for me, they they end up being, it, it's just work. It ends up being really exhausting. And at the end of the day, I, I and I talked to you about this the last time I saw you is I, I lost a sense of like what really made me happy. I didn't really have a personal life in any capacity. And and that's kind of part of the reason I moved home. It was kind of like, what do you go? What is this all for? If you don't feel like when you're going to bed at night, a sense of just calmness and happiness. Yeah. Agreed. If you feel burnt out by being the talent, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and you know that you're, that you want to bring in a president to help run the company, what do you see your vision? Like, what do you see yourself sort of, what place do you see yourself taking within your company? Well, what I really asked myself and, and, you know, the pandemic in so many ways really helped give me mental clarity of like what it is that I wanted to focus on. But when I really like step back and look at what it is that only I can do and what somebody else can come in and do better, it really helped me realize that I, I can be the talent. I can be the forward facing person, but I can't do that. And the headspace that comes with that and also run the day-to-day of the company. So that's where I realized there's somebody who could actually do that better, who's done it before, who knows how to grow a team, all the things that I, I know I could figure out if I really put all my energy into it. I, I got to a point where I realized it's more efficient for the company and for my own mental health and sanity to bring in somebody to do that. And I can focus on what I'm really good at, which is the product development, the branding, the marketing. Like Those are all the things that I know I'm good at while still continuing to do what... You know, what I realized when I was doing the influencer thing is that representation is still so necessary and I know I have the capability to do it. And so I kind of got to this place where I was like, just focus, keep it going on what you're at and outsource and hire for what you're not. And I think that's important for people starting companies too. Um, I've had so many people reach out saying, well, I'm not extrovert like you, Deepika. I I don't like to be in front of the camera and things like that. And how do I, like, I don't want to force it. And I was like, "I, I don't know what you think about this, but I... I feel like don't force it. Like, I don't think you should be trying to be something that you're not good at. If anything, I would say focus on your strengths and think about bringing in a co-founder of some sort that you think complements your skill set because it's really hard to force something like that. Like that energy is a lot of energy. 
Yeah, I definitely think there are people that are necessarily not meant for that. I know that I struggled with it in the beginning, not because I was shy, but because I was like, my time is better served in the design room. Mm -hmm. And I remember arguing with my brother. This was years Mm -hmm. ago. He'd be like, front and center. And I'm like, who wants to see that? You know, like that (laughs) should be for a blogger influencer. And, you know, maybe I was a little too late to the party, but, uh, it's made all the difference in our company. So it's also really hard for someone. I feel like someone like you, who there's, it's hard to think about yourself as somebody that people want to see all day. You're like, my life is really not that glamorous. I'm sitting in a room and looking at materials. And I remember saying this to you and you were like, do I, do people really want to see that? And it's like, the answer is yes. (laughs) <laughs> but it's so it's so hard to like think that about your own self, right? And so I think surrounding yourself with the right people that you trust, like you started this with your brother, I started my business with my cousin is really important because man, you can make so many bad decisions early on if you don't have the right team that you really trust around you. A hundred percent, totally. So how have you moved your whole company to Texas? What is What is happening? Well, I feel like when the pandemic happened, we kind of realized, we were playing, paying this overhead for this office in freaking Beverly Hills that didn't need to really be there because we weren't going in. And so we canceled our lease there. And then we realized until it really is safe, um, we can do this remote thing. And we've really been making it work. And the dopest part about that is we actually hired our first senior hire during the pandemic. And it was somebody based in New York City. And so it's kind of cool because it's opened up the talent pool to being so much bigger, you know, with the, without the constraints of must be based in Los Angeles. And so at least for 2021, um, we're being a remote company. We'll have the shoots like this as safe as possible, you know, with all the precautions in place. But we, we, I'm really trying to get creative and find ways that we can keep community and culture alive with the team. But, you know, when you're a small company, those little decisions, like don't pay for the overhead of an office, you can rent spaces for shoots. And, you know, we could do once a year get togethers as a team. And I'm just really scrappy with my money. Like I I count every dollar as something to go back into the business. And I I think that's really important. And on the early days, and we're still early, I'm I'm literally in year two. (laughs) So I'm trying to be really smart about every dollar. I mean, I think that's, you have to be smart about every dollar, no matter what size you are, you know, I think we're, and and I'm in shock that we, that so many people have been able to adapt. And then what you realize you don't need anymore. And I think for us, that's been a huge game changer. Like, oh, we don't need the top of funnel, fancy commercial. Cool. I'll shoot it. Yeah. Or we don't need the editorial shoots. Cool. I'll, I'll shoot that on my back deck. Yeah. And the events, right? Like, and then it really made me think about what I was spending my evenings doing. And so much of that was events and dinners and networking. And, and I think it served a purpose in its life, but I also hit this point of burnout where I was like, I need to find a balance in my life. And when else am I going to get this opportunity? And I'm not, I'm not saying that I can't see myself, whether it's traveling all the time back to Los Angeles and New York, I was already doing that anyways, but I think home base being, Texas, where I'm from, um, where my family is, and where I feel the most grounded is really important in the world that we're in, where you're going to sometimes these like really fancy, glitzy events, and then you come home from it. And it's like, what was that all really for? I really just started to experience and feel that way and made a personal decision for myself to come back home. I love it. And so you've been home for how long? Uh, Well, officially back, like I was here in the summertime, and then I went back to move out of LA. And it was crazy how even in that one month, 
every night I was thinking, what was I ever doing here? Like, what was I even doing? And, and I think everyone's definition of home is very different, but you know, I'm single. I've been focused on my company and, oh, you're going to love this. I'm, I'm starting my egg freezing journey like wow. now, right wow. now. Yeah. Wait, how old are you? I'm 31. Oh my God, you're so young. Why are you freezing those eggs? Because I have no track of getting married or <laughs> pregnant in any time in the near future. And I went, I went to a doctor. I'm, I'm actually vlogging the whole thing for my YouTube channel because I think there is such a stigma around it, like for sure in my culture. But I realized with all women that this egg freezing stuff, it's fascinating now that I'm going through the process that what can happen from at 31 versus 32, like listen, like everyone's body is different. But what my doctor shared with me was it's totally worth doing if you do want to have children. And and I feel fortunate enough to where I have the time and resources to be able to do it. And so I'm excited. I feel like I just want that sort of, I don't know. I, I can't, I'm telling you, I don't see myself having kids till like the very late thirties, if not forties and late mid forties, who even knows you had, you had kids at what age? Didn't you? I think you said this publicly. Yeah, I had uh, 31, 34, and 37. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so. you never had problems at 37, right? I mean, it just, each time I did it, each time I went back to the well, it took longer. It took 10 months with my last yeah. baby. It was mm-hmm. never like a one, a one, oh, we just had sex once and then I got pregnant. That was never the case. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I thought you were saying that is what happened. I was like, that's no, lovely. No, no, okay. no, no, no. It took a lot of work. My husband was like, you're just using me. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I am, you are literally here here to impregnate me and there's going to be no joy in this whatsoever. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I'm excited. I feel like it's, it's the time in my life where I want to prioritize other things, which is why I, again, like I had to be really grinding and in the weeds the first two years of this company. And now I'm like, and, and that will never change, right? Like people think what another thing I've learned, and I'm sure you can attest to this, is there's no one magical person who's going to come into your company and change your entire life forever. You're always going to care. You're always going to be a part of it. And it's always going to be on you. But you can find partners to help sort of shift your focuses. Do you feel like that? I do. I think we've had, you know, over the years more horrific hires than good ones Mm -hmm. in terms of the Mm -hmm. damage that was done. But when you finally get someone like we have an incredible chief commercial officer now who's changing and turning the brand around and, and like, that's like gold you, I want to hold on to her forever, you know, that's exciting. And that's the other thing nobody talks about is all the behind the scenes of, of that, the wrong hires that really like, could take like six months off of what you've worked for. Six maybe months, years. try a year, try, I think three Ugh. years from one Ugh. of our hires. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I agree. No one talks about this stuff and I think it needs to be aired because I feel like, like at all those parties you and I used to go to, it was the big dick mm-hmm. contest. Mm-hmm. And it was also fake dick contest. Like everyone <laughs> was always putting up a front when the reality is we all know that just because you're showing that you raised a gajillion dollars from a fund, like the economics and the actual back end of your business, not don't always like add up to what looked glamorized in front of the camera. So I just think everyone needs to like, and this is coming from somebody who had to learn this very much the hard way that you just don't get caught up in the headlines and what you see and just really focus on your business. Cause that'll all come. It, it'll come when it's supposed to come. And I mean, like four of 30 under 30 was just announced the other day. Right. And I remember I grew up wanting that so badly, but I completely missed the deadline because I was not thinking about that a year one of my business. And 
I was so devastated about it. And then I realized how silly it is that I was devastated about it. And, and it really also feeds into this idea that you have to have achieved everything by the age of 30. And I really feel like you're a great example of this. And I hope to also be the great an example of this, that I feel like I'm just getting started. The 30s seem like the best. I'm excited. 30s are pretty great. I'm about to turn 40 in a week and I'm like, oh, fuck. It's but, fine. Look at J-Lo. It just gets better. Yeah. Yeah. With that, with that tush, I would, I would take yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, so my last two questions for you are, it's what I ask every guest, but something we would be surprised to know about you. Maybe you just shared it with freezing your eggs, but if you have anything else. Um, um, yeah, I am, this is like a, a silly fun fact, and it's on my dating profile, actually. Um, I'm obsessed with Marvel movies. Is that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, that was the first thing that came to mind because nobody would ever realize I was like the girl who went to the movie theater and watched Thor by myself. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> and then what is a piece of advice either you've learned the hard way that you'd love to pass on to my listeners or someone gave to you that you're like, now that is definitely going to be saved. I think the most important thing I learned was cut out the noise. And I, I have to keep saying that because it's so hard in the world of social media to actually listen to that. And I catch myself every day reminding myself to like look in the mirror and say, like, you're creating a new kind of brand. You can't look at what other people are doing and think that that's the benchmark for what you're trying to do. Um, and so I, I really want people to just listen to the people you really value advice from, whether it is Rebecca and like the, think about that but really try not to get caught up in their narrative. And I, I think by people listening to your podcast, they hopefully realize there's so many different ways to build a business and they don't need to go towards just one of them. It's almost like listen to advice, take the sound bites, but then create and carve your own path. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, good. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think you've given such valuable and honest advice, which I so appreciate and I miss you. But now I know I got I a, I got a gal in Texas. So I was just going to say, you got to make your way down to Austin, Texas. I'm going to make that like happen. We're going to make Jacqueline do like a Crane Cultivate event there where we all go down. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. Oh, I know. And the food is incredible. So yeah, I'm already sold. Oh, I just good. need to get away from my kids and husband for a few days. That's Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birch Boxes, as well as our site.